kind of peeling things back a little and, um, you know, realizing our impacts uh, and the impacts the environment has on us because, you know, I'm, I'm a materialist. So I, I believe that, you know, our material environment has a huge impact on our consciousness. And as a reflection of that, our consciousness has a huge impact on our environment. And I think, you know, solving those issues with some of that forgotten knowledge and, and reaching out to, you know, traditional wardens of, of the land for some answers is one of the ways we need to start going. The world is an ever-evolving place. We live, we learn, we adjust. It is a continuous cycle with new ideologies being brought to the forefront in an effort to make for the best economical and political theories possible, for the good of us all. Time may debunk certain theories. Time may open our eyes to those who are trying to exploit us. Time may be on our side, and on the contrary, time may not be on our side. At the pit of it all, the issue of humanity and the balance of power being so far strung out that those who are oppressed finally come to terms with laying it all on the line. How far are we willing to go? How much are we willing to endure? Is there cause for change? Or should we continue to trust our system? We have opinions, not answers. But maybe, just maybe, in the thick of it all, we will be able to find the means we are looking for to live in harmony with one another and to live in harmony with our planet and the vast amount of life that shares this home with us. Thanks for joining today. We hope you enjoy this episode of The Social Perspective Dispute. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 3 of The Social Perspective Dispute. This episode was recorded on Earth Day, so naturally, we had to discuss the issues that are affecting our environment here in 2021. It was a great discussion with the panel, and while we all have our own opinions pertaining to each and every matter, one of the consensus perspectives was the need to gain some control over our consumption thus leading to fewer things being cast away in the landfills. This in turn should theoretically lead to less production and need for factories around the world, which should help lower carbon emissions as well. We are a long way from seeing positive results, but it is important that we all do our share to help in making our home, the earth, a healthier place to live. And like the intro states, one where we can live a quality life alongside nature and the other species that inhabit this planet. Thank you for tuning in to listen. I hope you enjoy. So, without further ado, I bring you Steve, Garrett, Cole, and myself, the panel. And here we go with another episode with the panel baby steve and garrett are back and we welcome cole to the show here tonight 
Glad to have you on, Cole. Thanks. It's good to be here. Well, we kind of had an avenue we were going to go down, uh, primarily focus on mental health today. But you know what? Lo and behold, it's Earth Day 2021. So all I can say is, wow, that kind of just showed up unannounced. Uh, seriously, though, I must I must be out of the loop because uh, it just it truly did just show up. I did, I had no idea that we were looking at Earth Day on April 22nd today. And uh, what in an, a normal year, maybe you'd consider this the perfect time with the way the world is right now. You'd think, wow, we, we've gone through a lot of things here. Uh, the oceans, deforestation, uh, climate change, ice melting, uh, a lot of issues. Um, and really, I mean, it just seems like any other day of the week, of the year. So. It's kind of a sad thing to think of that we uh, were all locked up indoors. Maybe the only thing that we were able to do uh, this year was to uh, keep the vehicles off the road so we weren't committing those uh, carbon toxins into the atmosphere by being locked down. So maybe we should give ourselves a round of applause for that one. But anyways, I uh, figured, well, it's Earth Day, so why don't we get talking about Earth Day? Um, and like I said, this morning, we kind of sh shot it around that we we're going to talk about mental health, uh, tonight, but the, uh, breaking news that, Hey, it's earth day. And I said, why don't we touch about that, touch on that tonight. And the first, uh, message back I received, uh, Steve, you want to tell me about that one? Good old earth day and, uh, being a, uh, a cub scout and, a a uh, a beaver before that and a cub after that uh i grew up and even before earth day we were doing such things as you know learning about recycling we'd go to parks and pick up garbage and clean up the playgrounds and also we would uh we would go out and we would plant trees all day and not like one or two trees we'd plant hundreds of trees and unfortunately it seems that earth day has just become another meme on uh, Facebook, it's basically a, a way to put a profile pic, you know, Earth Day and, you know, thumbs up. And I did yeah. my part. I recycled a couple of my water bottles today. So, yeah, great Instagram photo. seems to be seems yeah. to be missing the mark lately. Yeah, well, when you can pose and uh, put it on Instagram, you can uh, become a model, right? So, uh, and like honestly squandered is is i think the word that you put in the in the text it, it's a legit truth uh we continue to use energy at an alarming rate resources keep getting pulled from the earth forests keep getting cleared oceans are being devastated seriously i i for for my own opinion i believe that we're in some uh serious trouble with that um uh, before we kind of get into it a bit, uh, is there anything that you guys did that was uh, special uh, or could be considered green today? Cole, you want to talk about anything there? Uh, I think I'm pretty much in the same boat as everyone else here. It was, uh, wasn't really until I got the message in the group that it kind of <laughs> dawned on me that it was like, oh yeah, it's uh, <laughs> one of those things. Um, uh, to be honest, Earth Day, it's, it's not one of those things that's ever really been 
something I've marked on the calendar or um, gone out of my way to, to celebrate or, or, or do something because I, uh, I tend to agree with Steve. It sort of seems to be sort of a, a day of uh, self-absorption and um, I, I guess you could call it market activism in a way where you're, you're just posturing on social media in a sense. But uh, I, I think down to the, uh, the, the true core of the issues uh, none of it will be solved through uh, hyper-atomization. And it, it's something that social media causes, right? That individualistic, you know, I, I went out and picked out or picked up one bag of garbage. So that was, that was my part, you know, we're moving forward and we're changing things and we're, we're yay the earth, but the, the looming issues are, are still yeah. in the background. You know, we've, we've wrapped up a year of, uh, you know, a pandemic of 2020 and continuing that into 2021. And, you know, we also had big ecological disasters last year as well. We had uh, a massive oil spill in uh, northern Russia. Uh, you know, it seemed like half of the world was burning for quite some time. It almost seems like that's the normal thing to expect now. So I, I don't think uh, Earth Day is one of those things that, you know, if we continue to mark down and make it a, a yearly thing, it's ever really going to push forward anything. Great point. Derek, do you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, apparently Earth Day has been a thing on April 22nd since 1970. So we've kind of really dropped the ball there about not knowing. It doesn't move around. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's the same day every year. That's just how much like we pay attention to it where we're just like, oh, it's today. It's yeah. April 22nd every day since 1970, I guess. So. Um, you know, pretty much, like, I agree with pretty much everything that Cole said there. Like, there's a lot of things that have happened in the last year. Um, some factors um, are different than the other ones. Like, some of the forest fires we can accredit partially to global warming, but also to the lack of deforestation and stuff like that that take place. They stopped doing that in California. And what has happened every year since they stopped doing that in California? Forest fires. Um, Australia, <laughs> some of the same situation. I actually had... Um, a friend who was in Australia when that happened, because that's where her husband's from. And he said the same thing that a lot of the things that we used to do um, logically, like the smart burns and stuff like that to burn off the brush, they stopped doing because ironically, the activist people thought this was a bad idea and turns out it's caused more harm <laughs> by causing these big fires because you've got that added brush and rescue and stuff like that that's there. That's just literally like throwing gasoline on a fire. It's dried, dead trees that they just need to control and they, they don't. So, yeah, no, there's a lot of things that we need to, to work on. And I think we have a lot of work to do yet still. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, just to hop in there and kind of, like you said, in 1970, I think the first ever Earth Day, they said that there was 20 million people that gathered in the street. So. I don't think we hit that one this year, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like the element of some of that, like the, the forest fires and stuff like that, there is a, a natural phase there. And I think humans really try to interject themselves maybe a bit much, obviously controlling it is part of that. You need to be able to control it. So you're not seeing mass devastation. Uh, but I know we, we were just on a, a job site today and the next property over was just 
still bush and brush and there's fallen trees and but like the decomposition that you get there that is what instills life so when we look at what we might consider not a very attractive site there is real things happening in that and it's something as humans we uh i think tend to kind of push that aside and don't really try to understand that hey this is the way that life the life cycle works so uh steve do you have anything further to add on there i know you talked about when you were younger anyways do you want to talk about what maybe what you did today or how you feel about earth day further don't have a whole lot much more to pair i didn't do a whole lot today i added to the problem is just being another one saying what are we doing throwing our hands up in the air we definitely should be doing something. We uh, we need to get together as a group think tank and maybe do something good with that think tank. I think that word came up a couple of times last episode. So if we can come together and do something or maybe make it a statutory holiday, maybe we all need to take the day off and do something like we used to do in Cub Scouts where you go and go with your family or go with a group, go to school, do something productive with it as a, a group if we just rely on every individual to say do your part you know pick up your bag of garbage it's just not going to happen unfortunately humans aren't reliable like that so I think organizing something is something that needs to be done in the future unfortunately under the the current climate uh, especially in the states they seem to be a little preoccupied with other things right now so I don't think even though there's apparently a climate summit going on, maybe as we speak with some earthly or world leaders, uh, I don't know. I, I, until companies themselves do their part, I, I think it's bad that we're saying it's us individuals that are causing the problems in Earth. It seems to be a lot of the companies, like what can we do moving forward? How can we convert these companies to green companies to help everything? Uh, I don't know. I, I'm sure we'll get more into that as the conversation goes on. But yeah, it's just a matter of coming together and we need to do something as a group or make it a, a holiday or something to that aspect. Yeah, I like the the uh, thought process beside, behind making it a legit holiday, something that, you know, what we congregate and there be a mission towards something better. I do feel that one day out of 365 just doesn't cut it. Uh, not the way that, that things are going. Um, I mean, it looks pretty grim. And for having three young boys, Steve, you have your daughter, when you think about their futures and the future generations and, and just all the issues that are being compounded you, you really feel it and you feel bad for what you've brought somebody into this world and said, here you go. Here's the problems that our generations and generations before us just are going to drop you on. And if you think of, if you watch certain things like the, the, and I was going to talk about it a bit later, the documentaries like planet of the humans or, or uh seaspiracy, and other things too to, to add to that you can just watch planet earth and the oceans uh documentaries that they put on and they talk about how important the oceans are with the oxygen they create 60 to 70 
maybe even up to 80% of the oxygen in the earth. And all we were told for the most part is, hey, it's from forests and trees and stuff. But if that's only attributing to 20% and we continue to dump garbage and other junk and just use that open water for our landfills, which is disgusting if you've ever been to a landfill and look at it, uh, just the amount of waste, it's, it's a disturbing thought to say that we're going to put that amount of pollution into the water where our, our bodies rely on the oxygen that, it, that is uh, coming from there. So uh, we kind of crossed over there. I had uh, the next question and we really kind of got into that one there. So uh, I just started to kind of get into to it there a little bit with the pollution. Pollution's obviously a top issue on earth. Uh, when it comes to the environment and the concerns that we should have. Uh, you got your air pollution, water pollution, land and soil pollution. Where do you realistically see our world if we don't make drastic changes and reduce the amount of pop, uh, I was going to say population, and that might be a, a later on or a different story, but <laughs> uh, the amount of pollution on this earth. Garrett, you want to start us off with that? Well, a lot of it comes down this when we look at like the pollution, like if we we're talking about by country and stuff like that, like we have all these like Paris Accords and stuff like that. And that one of the things that I do unfortunately agree with the evil orange man about like when Trump pulled the US out of the, the Paris Accord, whatever it was called, there was no real benefit from it. When you take a look at like the, I think it's like the, countries by like the their population range yeah the u.s is third but if you take a look at them versus like china and india they're way up there at i think they're in the high teens and the u.s is at like four and a half or four and a quarter percent or something like that where it's like why are we focusing on what the u.s is doing or what canada is doing canada's canada's canada is dwarfed by that too yet why aren't we focused on what China is doing? Why aren't we focused on what India is doing? Like it's like, if they're the biggest polluters of it, we should be putting focusing, putting a lot of focus on them, but we're not. Are we afraid to do it? Or is it just because they've got such a stranglehold on the economy that we just, we're going to let them continue to do what they want to do. It's like, we're talking about like uh, coal burning furnaces and stuff like that. And that was brought up the other day, but how would, China's got more than we do or more than the U.S. does. Like, I am just at a loss where we're, we're crippling or trying to change what we're doing here. But everywhere else, it basically has like a free pass right now. And I don't think that's the way to get it to work. Yeah. And Cole, do you want to carry on with uh, your thoughts on, on that? Uh, yeah, I'd say uh, when, when, I, when I hear a lot of these issues, um, really what it all comes down to is us trying to uh, wrap ourselves around uh, continuing our current mode of production and, and making that mode of production a green mode of production without confronting the major issue that that mode of, uh, mode of production just isn't compatible with uh, our, our resources or, and with our earth, really. Uh, when I see... Um, you know, countries like India and, and China being brought up as 
uh, big polluters. I don't think it's uh, an issue of us not putting enough pressure on them. Uh, I, I think it's actually us being a part of the problem by uh, being a, a part of that mode of production, that uh, hyper-capitalist uh, production, right? Where you have these big factories, coal-burning factories that are producing, you know, little plastic like uh, Funko Pop toys and, and garbage like that for, you know, Western markets here. And I, I think it's until we confront our uh, issues with overproduction and, and things like that, that we're still going to perpetuate these issues because uh, countries, you know, like uh, India and China and developing nations, these ones that put out these uh, high amounts of pollution, um, uh, they're doing that because they're trying to ramp up their production to, to meet up with our economies, right? India and China are trying to overtake Western hegemony, basically, and uh, become the, these new empires and, and become stronger than our economies. And I think, you know, when we participate in those modes of production without confronting them, then that's what really brings a lot of these pollution issues. And I think until we have, um, you know, at least some sort of a, uh, as difficult as it sounds, a, a consensus on what, uh, you know, is viable for, for producing and, and what isn't, which, you know, might be coming down to some difficult conversations. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think we can continue to produce things just to create value for markets and, uh, and create these little micro economies, you know, people collecting plastic figures and stuff like that and, and little one-off stuff when uh, it's, it's not really doing anything to, you know, make the world better or, or has any sort of productive element in the world, I guess. I, li I like the points that you both brought up there and how they kind of, they really work together, kind of voicing the one side and then kind of giving a, a great uh, kind of realization that we are part of their problem as well. Um, and to talk about the, the plastic toys and, and all the junk that we accumulate. I mean, we talked about this before going on in episode one, I think before Garrett even got on me and Steve were just talking about a few things and, and the minimalism. Uh, my wife was talking, watching a show about minimalism and, and just talking about how you really are only bringing things into your home into your life that are productive and you're not just hey keeping stuff but that's part of the issue is is and now all the stuff that we have generated we got to get rid of and throw into the landfill but uh really we really have to put that self-control on our our buying habits which i mean that'll help you personally because your wallet should be heavier but uh it's also going to limit the amount of, of waste that we're actually putting back in and in turn would help bring down the pollution levels that these factories are emitting. Uh, Steve, I'll touch on you last year and I'll just kind of reiterate the question there just as the time has elapsed. So where do you, <laughs> where do you realistically see our world if we don't make drastic changes and reduce the amount of pollution? Oh, it's hard to think. Uh, we're definitely not heading in the right direction there. Uh, we, we do have uh, the big thing to beat this into the ground and nobody really wants to touch on this in the mainstream media is uh, the overconsumption of everything, what you just touched on. Like, 
even looking around and looking around and all I see is things on top of things on top of things. I've got four TVs within 10 feet of me here. And I'm part of the problem because we have all these things and because places like China and India are making them so inexpensive, everyone has access to all these things, all these useless things. And where do these useless things usually end up? Either resell them or they end up eventually in the garbage. And how in 2020 we don't have a better recycling or, uh, program? Like, yeah, we, we recycle, but like, how can I not take like this microphone? How can we not just recycle this? Or how can, like, why is it so difficult? I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around how we can like recycle steel and melt it down and reuse this, but we still have an issue with plastics and, and what do we do? Woods, obviously we know what we can do with woods and different products there, but still just this overconsumption. We need to start teaching kids about just needing or getting what you need and just dealing with the bare minimum and being happy with what you've got, not keeping up with the Joneses. That's a, a big part of the problem. And, you know, so, and I, I would personally love to know the green tax. Like we live in Canada where obviously we provide more oxygen to the world than we take out of it. Uh, so like, where's, where's the tax go to? I would love to know. I haven't looked into a deep dive. Uh, maybe someone else on the panel has a better idea where all these tax funds going, or are we just paying for, these people to go to G8 summits and G20 summits and fancy hotels in the middle of Switzerland. Like, so uh, we've got to do something because we're heading in the wrong direction. And it's another thing that's just become political, obviously. So I hate that, you know, the left is hardcore, you know, we got to change everything green tomorrow. <laughs> and, and the right again is like, no, no, stay the course, drill, drill, drill do this consume 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 like part of it too like what we we keep talking about like i'm like when you're saying like you've got three or four tvs next to each other like i've got this a brother printer next to me that i paid 67 dollars for i want to get i need new toner for it for me to get a new toner for this printer it's going to cost me 95 bucks why don't i just throw the printer out and get a new one right and that's some yeah. of the things that's some of the things that we're we're, we're looking at and like yeah. as somebody like i work in like the technology field, like you were saying, like our recycling programs aren't the greatest recycling programs. Like we need to have stronger programs. And I always look back when probably when all four of us were kids, we had dump trucks and stuff like that that were made out of metal. Like, and they still last around. And they're still <laughs> around, right? Your kids are probably using the ones you played with, Brad. And like, when you see these toys that a lot of the kids have because they're lighter, they're easier to move around, they're made out of plastic and you get a year out of them where we got literally 10 plus years and like two or three generations. Like I remember playing with toys that like my brother had that my older cousin had that I, we got yeah. through them because they were made of stronger and more durable materials. Maybe we need to go back in time, so to speak, and start making toys like that. Brad, did you ever Bring work at West, Did you ever work at Westcast, Brad? When I, you were, I did not. No. Like, and we were talking about Steve there about recycling like Westcast. I think pretty much that entire plant, like it was an exhaust manifold plant up in Wingham. Um, pretty much everything, if your manifold was scrap, it got reused. The sand that we made the mold out of got reused. It basically was an efficient factory that like, exactly. it recycled. If 
there was anything wrong, it got melted down and put back into a machine and they used it again and again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was uh, almost a net zero facility. And like it made leaps and bounds versus the times like when, when my dad worked there, like in 30 plus years. So it, it's, it's doable. It's just a matter of us wanting to take the time. But that's the thing. It's going to take time. We're expecting it to happen overnight. Yes. And people, when they're talking about things, we need to realize that we're making a change now, not for you and I, yeah. but for your kids' kids. Yeah. Right? And that's where we need to put that into perspective. Like, we're not looking at a Band-Aid. We're looking at, like, reconstructive surgery. We're trying to fix this. And it's going to take some time. We have to accept that. Not expect it to be done overnight. So, weird taught when we were kids the reduce reuse and recycle and the first two reduce and reuse i believe are very good those are really good ones to go off of i feel like we've been lied to in the recycling department because i forget what i was watching it was a documentary and they talk about upwards of 70 percent of the stuff that you put in your blue box that they will take as recycling goes to the landfill anyway. So what is up with that? Um, they take what they want and that can they can make money from and they bundle it and make millions of dollars when they ship it overseas to be recycled. And I feel like there is th that whole dynamic right there is kind of throws a lot of shade over what we've what we've been learning our entire lives that reduce reuse and the recycle is great and we're doing the right thing by putting our plastic bottles into the recycle bin and lo and behold hey i'll use that a second time because it's been 37 minutes since i used it so uh it turns out that pop companies really pushed the recycling thing so they could generate more sales so you as the consumer wouldn't feel so guilty in buying your plastic pop bottles and because you were going to recycle them so we continue to once again mass consume put it in the recycling bin and i mean whether they use that plastic again or not I guess uh, we'll never know, but I just feel like that is one of those illusions that we've been taught from a very early age. Uh, and I mean, that would have been upwards of 30 years of my life. I thought I was doing the right thing by putting the plastic in there. And well, it was just uh, a big corporation trying to make their money by by increasing their sales with using plastic bottles so it's there's so many shady things that go on in this world you know like there there's so many different things that we can talk about with with that um but staying kind of in the mode of what i have scheduled here with where we're going next all right we just had a word from our sponsor there uh if you didn't hear them then uh maybe you want to apply for a spot so uh, we had to take a quick break. Zoom doesn't like us to talk for longer than 40 minutes together. So uh, we had to get out and start a new one. We, they can't silence us. Anyways, kind of where we're going to uh, there, we're going to head into 
it's the next question. So, um, I got a, a, I really based this off of it was conserveenergyfuture.com, and I did a, a little bit of research across the board with different things before. Uh, but as I was gearing up for the questions, this really just kind of gave me a good list of of topics or like different aspects of the, of the environmental issues that we have. Uh, so uh, if you go on to, onto that, they list uh, uh, the top 25 issues that you have um, with uh, environmental issues, Earth Day, what we're talking about. So my next question here is climate change and global warming, warning, warming, warming, warming. global warming is a major political topic. What is your take on the matter? And do you feel our politicians handle the severity of this issue properly? Steve, you want to start us off with this? One? Oh gosh, I was hoping you wouldn't start with me. <laughs> Cole, do you um, want to start us off with this? One? <laughs> Cole wants to start, that's more than fine. We can go back and forth. Jeez. Uh, uh, you know what? Come back to me. We'll go to call and we'll just kind of go back and forth on this one here. We've got a couple of things I'm going to write down. Yeah, sounds good. Cole, you want to lead us? Uh, I definitely don't think um, politicians really handle this issue with any sort of urgency or uh, sometimes it seems really with any seriousness, uh, depending, I guess, on, on who you're talking about. Um, but I guess if, if you want to talk about I guess some of the more um, we regard as like left wing uh, parties like the, the Green Party and the uh, NDP and the Liberals. Uh, I don't think they've really done anything to, to spearhead these issues uh, head on. And, um, you know, when it when it comes down to it, I don't think really any of this change can really happen when it comes from just the, the hands of uh, politicians, especially um, liberal bourgeois democratic politicians, uh, because it's, it's just continuing, you know, kind of what I said earlier, that, that mode of production that still uh, produces these contradictions that we've all been talking about for the past, you know, a little bit. And so when I, when I think of uh, the roadway to change. I think really that can only come from um, what I would call a, a true democracy or a, a workers democracy where you have, you know, uh, unions in every facet of, uh, of our society really just to start. And uh, I, I think cooperative businesses are a good way to start as well. What we really need is we need uh, mass democratization of the means of production so that we can have our say and we can have our vote on how things are produced instead of just, you know, us voting for a representative who fills a position in an office and then they get paid to listen to lobbyists all day. And really, it doesn't matter how many letters you write to some of these people, it, it all kind of falls down to, uh, you know, who's lining pockets and it, it's always the bottom line. And that's, uh, that's what it is at the end of the day. So as, as long as you're perpetuating that system. I don't think that system and uh, environmental urgency can coexist. I, I think that's uh, sort of a myth we sort of sell ourselves. Yeah, I, I, when you talk about the, the parties that you would think would be kind of leading the way with this, uh, 
in regards to whether even if they showed that kind of promise i mean you're probably at best and garrett talked about minority governments last time uh at best they're probably only getting minority governments and the issues that they want to lead and that's the problem with canadian politics is that it's just going to be a spinning of the tires and nothing's going to happen and we're all going to be hey you didn't follow through with your promises and that's canadian politics in a nutshell i mean uh when you don't have that kind of voice with your political party to actually make the difference with issues that you've been voted in that people are following and and care about then you i think you see those those uh those problems carry forward and and they go unresolved garrett do you want to hop in on that same question I agree with pretty much everything you said there. So, no, that's it's. It goes back to what you were, what we touched on last week with the the politics and politicians and stuff like that. A lot of the time, they're just saying whatever they they want us to hear, or whatever we want to hear. Where it's like we're going to do this, this, and this, and cool. Four years later, all we have is more taxes, or there hasn't been anything done really. Like. Like people are complaining, oh, oh my God, gas prices are at 126, 127 in like rural Ontario areas. And like, it's going to get keep in higher because they keep adding more to this carbon tax. And like, you can keep taxing us until we have more charging stations, more basically things like even better batteries for these cars. It's just like we're reinventing the wheel over and over again, I guess. Like, where it's just like, okay, here we go again. And it's just, it's a challenge. And we just, it's, you know, it's, yeah. Basically Cole hit pretty much a lot of things I was going to say on the head there. So I don't want to repeat what he was saying, but like, we just need to have a better system in place for those two streams to work. And it's just, we don't have that right now and we need it in order for this to potentially work. And it's just, I hope that we see some change in our lifetime but at the rate we're going it's just one party comes in and does one thing another party comes in and undoes what they've done it basically we take two steps forward take three steps back and then the next party comes in we take two steps forward we take two steps back and it's like we just we're in this game of like tug of war and it's just like oh here we go and then nope we lose that again where it's just sooner or later everyone just has to agree okay this is what we need to do and go from there but until then we're just four faces on a tv screen talking so and that's definitely what's what's missing is that general consensus and i think that's that's what's leaving us in the dust on uh you know a global political scale and especially i think if you look around at at our infrastructure you know we we have that fight every four years about where we're gonna allocate the budget and how should we move forward but you know as much as i I have uh, my disagreements with, you know, how things work in, uh, in, in China. And I'm, I'm still, you know, trying to, to understand how things work over there myself to kind of better understand a lot of these situations. But, you know, at least one thing that they have is, you know, a consensus on, on where they want to move forward and where they want to mobilize capital to, you know, build infrastructure that's going to not only benefit, you know, certain assets of their society, but their infrastructure as well. Like, if you look at like, uh, you know, 
the United States, for example, and you know their uh, high-speed rail lines, or I should say, lack thereof. Like, yeah, lack you know, thereof. It's, yeah, <laughs> it's taken you know decades of conversation to to link two towns in California when the big talk was supposed to be a a hyper rail that linked all of California, and it would be you know this bastion of economic development. But then you know you look at what China's laid down within the last ten years, and it's just it's astronomical, and it, it leaves you thinking, you know. Why, why isn't our infrastructure and our, our best interest, you know, a, a forefront issue that everyone agrees on that we can always, you know, push forward on, you know, and that's, that's really what we're lacking. And I, I agree, like, when you said, like, with, like, the rail and stuff like that, my dad, when he, like, worked for Westcast there uh, in China and stuff like that, doing things, he's like, traditionally, that would have been, like, an airplane ride or a three-hour car ride going from a, a city to city. Say so we get on this train and it's like whoa god and you're it's going 250 miles an hour and you're there 25 35 minutes later it's like oh that was kind of cool it was boom boom and it's like we need that here and it's like we think it's a big deal when like kitchener waterloo gets a train transit system it's like, oh, oh, good for them they're they're reusing old train systems that was used to be there and it's like we're like awesome that's kind of sad when you look at what they've done over there when it comes to like their rail system they've got similar things do they not or they're starting to do similar things in europe as well where you've got like faster transit systems but it's like it's i i just we need to do something here like we're we have like i guess the line in place with like both the cnr system and the, the cn system like eventually we could look at expanding like that train system to have a rapid system in Canada because that would be nice to be able to go like Toronto to Calgary in a day versus four or five days on a train. Yeah. So it'd be yeah. it'd be cool to have knock on wood, hopefully that's happened sooner or later. So it'd be cool. All right, Steve, you got some of your points written down there. Uh, well, politically speaking, you know, uh, <laughs> get it politically correct. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I am on the border. I don't want to say I'm a climate denier, but I would be the one on the panel that thinks that certain aspects are being overhyped. Uh, now, I don't, I'm not sitting here saying we don't need changes in the system or we don't need to individually change, but I don't like when a young 16-year-old goes around and is piped in front of all kinds of televisions around the world saying the world is going to implode in 10 years. I think that is not the answer going around with the scare tactics telling the next generation that in 10 years there will be no earth. It's, now you got people and this will tackle into our next week's show I guess with the mental health issues. There's a lot of these kids that are dealing with mental health issues because of being told that the earth is just going to disappear in 10 years. Yeah. A lot of people actually believe if we don't do something now, that it's just going to disappear. It's going to upload, and polar caps are going to melt. Florida is going to be underwater, and New York's going to be underwater. We've been hearing that for years and years, and there's no real. Jeez, uh, how do you say? How do, how do we make the change? You know, like nobody wants to speak out against these companies in India and more specifically China. They have all the intellectual property. A lot of the solar panels are coming from there. Why are they not stepping up to the forefront maybe a little bit more and 
how they produce. So we need to look at ideas like that, like how, how can, I, I think companies are more the problem than us individuals. I don't think people driving around cars is the major force or the major problems that are leading to whether the ozone or the ozone uh, depleting or whatever the case or, or the acidity in our oceans. It, we, it all comes down to companies. So maybe Cole has a better idea. Like, you know, you're kind of a worker based. I, I haven't looked into that way of policing, you know, socialism, capitalism. I haven't deep dived into that to see what we would be, what would be the idea? What would you think Cole would, what would you do like in your ideal world? Like what would, companies do to better the situation <laughs> sorry for rambling or getting <laughs> grab along um i think uh it's honestly i i get that question a lot especially i guess because i i identify myself as a marxist so i think when you present yourself as a, a marxist and and uh, especially on some of these topics um there's a lot of expectation to have you know, some sort of predetermined ideal system. But um, I'd say even even some people, I guess, that would classify themselves as Marxists might disagree with me, um, especially some of the more dogmatic ones. But uh, I, I view um, Marxist economic theory as uh, an evolving science. So I don't view uh, my beliefs as holding um, some sort of an ideal answer to the situation, uh, especially because it's so complex. And, you know, what I base uh, my beliefs on and what a, a core belief of Marxism is, is dialectical materialism, uh, which is arguing material realities of the world uh, from various points of view and trying to uh, extrapolate a truth and a way forward through that. Um, so where I do think we can sort of find some ways forward is through that dialectical materialism by, um, you know, compiling these contradictions that we're living through. You know, a lot of these things that we've talked about, you know, the uh, issue of uh, hyper-individualization on a lot of these issues and uh, uh, lack of willingness of, of companies to change uh, also feeds into that, uh, that issue of I'd say hyper individualization. So I guess what I'd say is a good start to that road is um, that workers organization, uh, like I was talking about, where you would have uh, truly democratic uh, workplaces, especially important, you know, on uh, factory floors where you're having, you know, these industries that are producing a lot of pollutants. I think you're not going to get ideas on how to, how to better progress on these methods of production and how to evolve methods of production from the top down in these hierarchies. Because uh, at the top of these capitalist hierarchies that you have in these corporations, uh, the, the main stressor is always going to be profits at the end of the day. It's not really going to be, you know, what is the best outcome for everyone? Because if that best outcome, you know, runs you into a deficit, you're not going to be considering that option because in a capitalist mode of production, it's just not viable. Uh, so I think some sort of um, 
collectivized industry, um, you know, where, where our surplus value uh, is owned by the workers that create and generate that surplus value are able to use that uh, value and retain that value and, and have actual democratic power over their mode of production. And I think through that engagement of the working class, uh, we're the ones that know how the world works best. Uh, not politicians, not, you know, single great leaders. I'm not a believer in uh, single great man theories, you know, that some, you know, great leader is going to save us all from this because I, that, that's, that's bullshit. You know, <laughs> the, uh, the only ones that know how things work are, are the workers, the ones who are out there doing it every day. And I think we're the ones that have to have our voices uh, elevated in, in some sort of a reorganization of, of the status quo where our voices, you know, overpower that, you know, minority with capital that is constantly uh, directing the mode of production towards uh, profit and constant and infinite exponential growth and the chase of profit, because as we're seeing, it's, it's creating those contradictions. And as you said, Steve, it, it might not be, uh, I know it's a, a debate amongst a lot of people, what, how rapid uh, climate change is, right. but regardless, you know, a lot of these issues and these contradictions still prevail. And, you know, I think it's important looking at it from a workers democratic perspective, I guess, uh, on how to fix these issues. And the, we've, we've heard it a lot recently in the past year with the whole pandemic stuff too, where you're saying having people with those voices being in those roles, when we talk about um, how Stephen Lecce or Lecce, whatever his name is, the, he's a basically fresh at a university being the education minister, who went to private schools, why is, like, and in some of these positions, I do agree where if you're a minister of something, you should have on your resume yeah, that a role. Real experience. Yeah, a real world experience, right? We, I need to have five years of experience for my job. Like, and, like most, most jobs, that, and that's the thing, like most jobs that we have in these days, you need to have X amount of experience for an entry level job, but you're a minister of finance, you're a minister of this, you're a minister of this, you should have experience in that environment where, you know, half of our people that are in those positions don't have any experience and we're supposed to trust our systems in the hands of those people. Like I will agree like 100% in what he said in regards to that, when it comes to our politics, where if you're going to be a minister of education, you should have a teaching background or be involved in some kind of educational aspect if you're going to be the minister of finance come from a financial background if you're going to be like an economic advisor or stuff like that actually have those experiences yeah. and that's like that's how you get how you literally how we get shit done is if you have people that have in, been in those positions in those roles yeah, because maturity. they yeah the maturity experience like they they understand what the changes are being made because right now like when we talk about things that like who is Doug Ford getting his barking orders from like to do things. And you hear the medical professionals being like, we didn't tell him to do this. The science people saying, we didn't do this. Who's telling them that. And that's the issue <laughs> where we see a lot of these mm-hmm. things is maybe if we had the people that were like the little birdie, the Jiminy crickets talking people's ears that had this experience and that knowledge, maybe things would be handled a bit differently. Like when we see some of these European countries and um, like Australia, New Zealand and stuff like that, where they're, 
I guess like their medical staff and stuff like that, that in parliament are actually doctors. Like their minister of health is an actual former doctor, not somebody who has just appointed that position. So maybe we should have that as a requirement now. <laughs> if someone's going to be in, like in the minister of education, they need to be a teacher. They yeah. need to have some kind of educational background, which will then help. You could see retired teachers or teachers getting more involved in politics, union yeah. voices and stuff like that get involved in politics a lot more than what we currently are. So, yeah, we definitely, yeah, you need those right professions there. in there. You need the professionals in those prestigious places. Uh, I wish that I had the idea of lo loaded questions like Garrett likes to pose on Facebook. Um, <laughs> but yeah. you know the, the great thing about listening to to you three guys is i can sit here and wallow away and and just ideas are spinning in my head and one of like the the things that when you transitioned steve talked about you know what like maybe not believing that we're so so responsible for it when you think of like the trans position of of the earth over the amount of years like you think of the ice ages and stuff like that so obviously there's natural changes and fluxes in temperatures uh and when you skip that over to coal and you ask them that question uh and when i was just trying to think of it in my head how am i how like tying that in i heard him say ideals and when i think of ideals it's kind of like a, along the lines of rules and i think what cole was kind of saying is you know what there's so many exceptions to the rules that when you want to put in these ideological uh governing systems together that if you're not willing to almost go with the flow that you kind of are going to miss a lot of important aspects so uh, that's kind of what I was getting from maybe what Cole was talking about. Uh, and if you wanted to flip this to a, a fully on thing about saving the earth being Earth Day, it's like you talked about the profit making, the power. Obviously, that's almost where it all comes. It's all stemmed from its power. And you say capitalism and power and money, but like the other end of the spectrum is power and money authoritarian uh governing over top of of the masses that are in that socialistic uh capacity uh that's where the bad rep from communism and socialism comes from is people take abusing that power that they have kind of over top as opposed to using it as a way to benefit everybody and I think, Cole, that's kind of your idealistic um, setting is, is you're not going to have that person or government that's, that's really going to take advantage of the people. Uh, and, you know, as I kept on thinking about it, all I could think of was, I mean, there's a, there's a problem with overpopulation. So how, does, how do you revert to more of a tribal style of community? I think there's such a, an evolution towards being we're so global that we're trying to make all this capital gain and at the heart of the issue is if we have an earth that is crumbling 
we almost need to step back. We're all in this to try to make money, money or power, however you want to break it down because currency, when you take that out of the factor, it's what you have gold, silver, or other valuable assets like land and stuff. That's where you're going to gain your power. So if you were to really truly strip away kind of those power aspects and people were able to just hunt, gather, community oriented, we're not worried about, you know, having the next best thing, the, that great sports car. I mean, that the advertisements are, are going to express that you need. If, we almost need, in my opinion, we need to revert back to, to like past times and go to that community oriented. Uh, everybody's going to have their basic needs met. We're not going to just continue to destroy the land, the oceans and everything, because in the name of, I have more power than you, that ain't going to save the world. The world is not going to care if uh, you're really on this planet. I mean, the amount of tropical storms and other natural disasters is only increasing. If temperature rising is going to attribute to flooding of the lands, like that nice house that you got on the waterfront there is now destroyed because it's flooded. So what are we all working towards? It's something that we really had to put in our heads. And if, if we're just worried about looking cool to our, our neighbors and social media and hey maybe we'll be a celebrity whatever like we i think as a as a human population really need to reassess what is going to be important and if we want our youth to have have a life on this earth then we really need to focus on um a lot of change in my opinion you guys can and hop in if you have anything to remark on that or i can just carry forward into kind of what we have uh scheduled I gonna, here i just kind of wanted to touch base on what steve was saying there too like um with things that people are saying like when i get what you're saying with when aoc when she came out and said that the world was gonna be a catastrophic failure in two, oh, it'll be 10 years now we said that two years ago right so um you go back to like what was it that Al Gore said back in like 2009 saying in 2013, there's going to be no ice in the North pole, something like that. And it's always the, we can compare it to what's happening right now. And we were talking about the masks and stuff like that last week, where you've got this, the group of people that are so extreme with one stance where it's like the dooms, the doomsdayers kind of thing, the doom and gloom people where we do, if we don't do this, this is going to, cause millions of people to die or we're going to have the world to do this. So we need to make these changes. So we make little minor changes and then people come back and say, okay, it's 2021 and the ice caps still haven't melted in the North pole. Oh, it's because we made this little change. And then, so we come back and say this with the masking, like 2 million people should have died in the U S oh, it's because we're wearing masks. But now when we see stats and stuff come out from Stanford, that's like, maybe that's not necessarily true. It's like, but we still had those masks on and that's kind of the same thing. It's like, but we recycled that extra tin can last week. So that helped save the world. Like it's, we, like it goes back to what we we're saying. Like you've got your far left or whatever you want to call it, like far extreme on one side. And then the, the other side where there's a, a group of us that are party in the middle. And it's like, we don't know what to believe 
but there's always that the game of tug of war that we were saying we do this we get this in return so i guess it's just a lot when we get things thrown at us and like i'm not a fan of the if we don't do this in two years the world's going to end in 10 years because that's been proven wrong 25 times in my lifetime so yeah y2j <laughs> yep <laughs> well, we, we got y2j out of that so that was a good Good yeah, thing. Was, we keep fighting ra- wrestling references. Take that positive from it, right? <laughs> <laughs> a good Canadian guy right there. So. <laughs> um, yeah, so kind of closing in on another time cap here, but uh, just kind of pushing forward. Uh, I mean, when you think of environmental issues, there's so, so many issues that you can, can really cover. Uh, you got deforestation and logging, genetic modification, effect on marine life, public health issues, overpopulation, loss of biodiversity, household and industrial waste, um, mining, natural resource depletion, landfills, etc., etc. What are some of the concerning issues to you specifically uh, and why? Steve, do you want to start us off with that? Uh, well, you touched on a little bit there. Uh, overpopulation is obviously one of them. It seems to be a common issue, common problem. I, uh, I believe in China, they still have a law where you can only have one child. And I'm, and I'm a freedom guy, I do like, but uh, that was one I was like, oh, that almost, they might almost be onto something with the, the one kid law, even though I would never want that over here. I think it's two. I think it's two. I think you're, you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. It is two, I think. But if you have a third or an oops, watch it go to jail, I guess. But getting off point here. Uh, anyways, I, I think uh, overpopulation is something that we do need to work on. We do need to uh, avoid these families that are having 10, 12 kids and building and building, building on the problem. Uh, another issue, uh, celebrity worship is obviously a big problem. We put these politicians on a pedestal. AOC's a superstar, Greta Thunberg's a superstar, all these, it's left and right people. We think they're all coming to save us. AOC with her arm wailing and Greta Thunberg with her, you stole my childhood, so you know. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Insert meme here. Uh, and if we're going to celebrate, uh, you know, turn these people into celebrities, why aren't we turning young celebrities or young scientists into these celebrities? Like that, that young boy that uh, created that device in the ocean here, uh, what was it, 2013, that cleans up about 7 million pounds? Let me hear. Let's see here. And yeah, 19 year old Bowen Flat has unveiled plans to create an ocean cleanup array that removes 7 million tons of plastic waste from the world's ocean. The device consists of an anchored network of floating booms and processing platforms that could be dispatched to garbage patches around the world. Instead of moving through the ocean, the array would span a radius of the garbage pack acting as a giant funnel. The angle of the booms would force plastic in the direction of the platforms, yada, yada, yada. Basically, a young kid at the age of 19, we've seen this with even younger kids. We need to incentivize change, and we need to put these young scientists, these young kids on the pedestal, and not these people, and I'm not even talking about just politicians, but, you know, the reality stars, 
we need to stop putting celebrities up on a pedestal and start looking to real leadership. I know that's kind of against uh, what we were saying there, but anyways, I'm getting a little off topic here. I'm going to pass it on oh. to the next guy. <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Like to, to kind of tie that in is the celebrities that are backing these organizations that are going to, going to kind of give them a base point of what they need to talk about. Uh, the UN had Forrest Whitaker and uh, the other individual celebrity from Hollywood, this, his name escapes me, but uh, like these people are endorsing these different corporations and in the name of kind of trying to persuade and inspire, if, if they're sending a wrong message in what it takes to be have a healthy planet, uh, you know what, if they have fans out there, then they might get the wrong message and they're not going to be the ones that are going to look into these issues they're just going to say you know what that's my favorite actor right there and he's uh vouching for these things like i mean we've kind of talked about a few of the things and and garrett you talked about uh these charging stations for obviously you're talking about uh e-cars and stuff and the, the thing that you don't hear about is that to make these vehicles it actually causes twice as much pollution as it does to make just your regular combustible engine so those vehicles uh and then you factor in the fact that these charging stations are still running off the same grid that we're running these other reasons <laughs> the stuff that we're trying to get away from but they can't they can't they can't make up that that difference with these green sources of energy um, and and, yeah go ahead there's some ethical issues too with how things are being mined for those batteries as well like yeah slave labor and stuff like that like there's this it's as as pure as we want to be we're still gonna find something wrong with something yeah and like this is what we were saying before like i'm not in any way advocating for slave labor or anything like that but it's like we try to do good, but at the end of the day, we're still doing harm. And it's just like, how do we fix that? And it's just. And I, I think that ties into the whole uh, mode of production thing, right? It's yep. that it's capitalism is exploitative, no matter, you know, how you, uh, how you handle it. Uh, and I, I'd say one key indicator of how green capitalism really is not a savior is what happened in uh, Bolivia. And the coup that Elon, Elon, sorry, Elon Musk openly backed on Twitter against uh, uh, the Bolivian government because there were some very lucrative uh, lithium mines that the government there had just announced that they were going to nationalize because yep. it was going to bring uh, a lot of people out of poverty there. And uh, it's it's ridiculous that we're going to continue to see these, you know, Middle Eastern style aggressions. You know the uh, you know, mid 2000s oil wars perpetuate in through another decade, but in countries in Latin America, and it's all going to be for, you know, resources like lithium and uh, other rare metals as well. And I think Africa and Latin America are going to be uh, two of the next uh, biggest battlegrounds when it comes to imperialist resource wars of the next two decades. Thankfully, we're coming out 
of the dark with certain documentaries kind of I talked about two earlier there um, that I've watched personally and there's more more information that I've watched that kind of open your eyes if you if you do a bit of research on the internet you're gonna see stuff that's gonna be like wow that's kind of not and we talked about the narrative last week a lot so that's kind of not the narrative that we've been taught for a long time uh so do you think some of the dirty secrets and i love that the dirty secrets <laughs> involving the green movement will help us correct and redirect this ship before we are beyond repair and um if you're not familiar with those documentaries uh, and kind of where i'm coming from with that is they're like the whole thing that i talked there about uh the car batteries and they're charging off of the regular uh source of energy that so it, really you feel like you're contributing to not uh, using these natural resources, but you are, uh, and it's the stuff that they really just try to keep hidden from you. Uh, the real, uh, one of the big issues with biomass energy and and the destruction of forests to, to use that form of energy. There's a few different things that have come to light. The Seaspiracy documentary talking about how, just how devastating uh, the overfishing has uh, really played a factor on the coral reefs because sharks are being taken out and other top mammals and aquatic life and it's having a, a chain effect down and the end result is a lot of life being lost in, in the oceans and just how important the oceans are uh, when I talk about they supply 60, 70% of the oxygen that we rely on as human beings to live. If you can't uh, see that correlation to a healthy ocean and our own health, then uh, maybe you need to look deeper into things like that. So, um, Cole, do you want to start? I'll just reiterate the question here. Do you think that some of kind of these things being exposed uh, involving a lot of the, the green movement and stuff like that will help us kind of correct and then maybe redirect us uh, to where we need to go before we see uh, the earth get to a point of where there really doesn't feel like there is any point in, in not, not any point, but to a point where there's no turning back. You want to start us off there, Cole? Uh, I, I always think uh, it, it's good to base... Uh, progression off of um, seeing what contradictions are within these movements and obviously uh, the negative things that are impacting these movements and you know uh, like you uh, called it the dirty secrets of some of these movements <laughs> um, and yeah I don't know I uh, I think what it comes down to is maybe realizing some of those mistakes uh, and I also think there's a big aspect of, uh, of forgotten knowledge. And I think Garrett kind of touched on that a little bit earlier uh, when we were talking about the uh, wildfires in California uh, and how the lack of controlled burns was uh, a huge contributing factor to, uh, you know, what happened there. Um, and it's, it's, 
kind of horrible to see because you had, you know, indigenous people who were advocating for these controlled burns and they they've obviously been, you know, traditionally the wardens of, of this land for thousands of years. But, you know, some of these green movements, you know, disregarded uh, the, the traditional knowledge of these people. So I, I think a lot of uh, how we progress forward on these issues, uh, I think we can kind of tackle by um, revisiting some of this traditional knowledge. And I think you kind of touched on that a bit as well, Brad, you know, kind of peeling things back a little and, um, you know, realizing our impacts uh, and the impacts the environment has on us because, you know, I'm, I'm a materialist. So I, I believe that, you know, our material environment has a huge impact on our consciousness. And as a reflection of that, our consciousness has a huge impact on our environment. And I think, you know, solving those issues with some of that forgotten knowledge and, and reaching out to, you know, traditional wardens of, of the land for some answers is one of the ways we need to start going. Yep, I like that. Uh, Steve, do you want to Hop in here, second. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll chime in a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of surprised the one thing we really haven't chimed in a whole lot on talking about uh, climate change and Earth Day and all that is uh, factory farming. Like, how, how can we improve the factory farming issue? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, the amount of methamphetamines from pigs and cows and the waste that goes into the, the streams that are eventually our drinking water, drinking water of the people in the state. So yeah. So how, how can we improve that? I know obviously Bill Gates and certain people have, you know, artificial meat, which I'm not, not necessarily opposed to, uh, you know, growing meat in a Petri dish. Is that the future? I don't know. I'm not opposed to it, I guess. Have, you, it, have you tried it? No, no. Have you? Uh, yes, the... Um, the, the joys of farm boy being next door to me. I've actually had uh, bought the Beyond Meat, uncooked Beyond Meat burgers, um, without turning people off. If you get them uncooked, they smell kinda like canned dog food. It's a nice Ooh. way to put it. But once you start cooking them, yeah, oh, they're pretty good. <laughs> they are really good. <laughs> I, I'm that guy that throws bacon on a meat-free burger and it, yeah. it, and it enjoys it. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> so, like, and, and, and I said this to my old man and because like, my dad is, you know, one of those people. I cooked spaghetti and meatballs once and I use, well, it wasn't meatballs, but it was like with um, like the fake ground meat and put it in and he didn't know the difference. Until afterwards, I'm like, this is what you ate. Yeah. And it was like soy-based meat. And he's like, what do, you, what do you mean I ate that? I'm like, and did you complain? Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, that's like, there is, there is things that we can and can't do. And like, I'm a fan of um, alternatives with that. But at the same time, I am the same guy who for breakfast, I'll have like the meat-free bacon. But at night, I'll crush a T-bone steak. So that's just me. <laughs> but I'm I get that from a local butcher like I'm not a big fan of like the big factory farm stuff like that I try to avoid the highly processed stuff like like I always say like I go up to one game I go to Green's Meat Market because I know the cow that it came from and I know the butcher that cut the, the meat so 
it's, it's different, but that's it's true though. It's a small yeah. town meat market. You know where that farm that beef came from because it probably came from from the back pasture. Yeah. But like that's the thing that we need to like. It goes back to what Cole was saying, just with like the the commercialization of everything. Where like I drive by for me to get from my gym to like when I say the gym, like the the cheer gym I work at to my house. I drive by nine fast food restaurants in seven kilometers. Yeah. Nine. Three of which are McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I only laugh when you when you make that reference of, of going to the butcher and knowing what the meat's there because I think of Tommy Boy. And uh, I'd, I'd, what is, how does it go? I'd rather stick my head up a cow's ass than, uh, or take the butcher's word for it. <laughs> how did Tommy, I, if I wanted to get a good look at a T-bone steak, I'd stick my head up a butcher's ass. No, that's not it. So, anyways, you know what, Steve? It's kind of, it, that is a great uh, little topic that you, you brought up when it concerns environmental health issues. And you talk about the one side of it, and it's kind of the, the meat side of it right uh <clears throat> the over tilling of the land is another side of things and and the soil and not being properly kind of uh i don't know i don't want to say manipulated because the over manipulation is the reason why it's it's no longer as easy to grow good crops in which causes a lack of permaculture way, yeah, yeah which it, yeah it causes the farmers to use more pesticides which I mean, you feel like you're going the healthier option and, and choosing choosing to go with the plant-based diet, and it's just being uh, oversaturated with pesticides, which is going in you. You are what you eat, and if it's taking that, and I mean, the, the, to tie that in with maybe the improper labeling or the disguise in labels of like organic foods and stuff like that and and grass-fed foods and there's a lot of deception in and once again it becomes a money issue because people are trying to get you to buy their product by putting these labels on it that you think are now healthier options and they probably mark up the price because it's a healthier option and we went these proper ways of of raising chickens grass-fed chickens and it's a it's a it's a dirty secret <laughs> and 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 if you're if you're just oblivious to it then you're the one that's wondering why you have these health issues uh because we all have to eat to survive and and when you try to make those healthy choices and it just turns out that you've kind of been deceived all along it's like there's no winning unless you were to go and and have your own vegetable garden in the backyard have your own livestock you almost have no idea how how your food is being prepared and and that's a scary thing to think about and when you think about seven billion people being on this earth and we're all kind of fighting for <laughs> for our own food and i know that there's a lot of people that over and gorge and and have plenty of it and on the end of the spectrum there's plenty of people that don't have any so i rambled on there uh garrett you're uh, i'd like you to finish off with uh something that uh one of the different environmental aspects that is concerning to you and and tell us why my big thing like um like when 
Cole shared that article the other day, or this was this. Yeah, it was today actually. <laughs> That's so our days are starting to blend. That was that was today already. Um, it's like the like fusion reactors slash nuclear energy and stuff like that. That's one thing that we haven't really touched on was like nuclear energy and stuff like that. Is that something that people are overlooking or forgetting about? Like, is that a better alternative versus like? Uh, clearly it's better than coal burning energy sectors and stuff like that um, <laughs> sorry i don't i don't like to cut you off but every time you talk about coal burning i just i think of coal. <laughs> i'm like what's he burning up there <laughs> but like that like, is that something that we look at like i've been a fan like i jokingly say this i was a fan of windmills ever since i was a little kid um and i still love like driving down to sarnia on the 402 to there when you see like those 50 windmills on the side of the road and like that's cool that's what we need to see more of i'm a fan of that but at the same time i've got family that work at bruce power when you hear like th this is like as clean as you can possibly get for energy and like why don't we use this and like when we see like those little like the artificial suns and stuff like that that gives us like amazing clean energy we should be investing in more money into that too and like i think we need to i wouldn't say we need to but like you have to take a look at nuclear energy as being one of those other like strong points that we need to look at um that basically drive our help drive our economy and stuff like that because eventually i always say if we want to have deep space exploration nuclear energy is going to be the thing that pushes us deep space nine right <laughs> so that's like we need to take a look at that it's going to be something that drives potentially like not just the world here but space exploration so we need to to see how we can benefit using those things as well so yeah, yeah. It, it feels like it's inevitable there's going to be some change and some transformation so um oftentimes i think of of, of canada and where obviously that's where we live and we feel like we're we're so advanced in our education and, and our stuff and then you just look globally and you realize that hey we're not even close to where these other countries are um china being a for forerunner in what they've done over the last 30 40 years and transform that economy i mean you, you can either you can either agree with it or you can disagree with it. But I think if you're in China, you're not allowed to disagree with how they do things. Uh, but that's once again, another debate for another time. Uh, I think Earth Day, we all really need to do it. And you you all said it in, in your responses in one way or another. It's, it's gotta be a community oriented thing. It's gotta be a, a a provincial oriented thing it's got to be a national oriental oriental oriented thing and a global oriented thing if if one person or one group is taking it upon it themselves to do it for everybody it's not and you think some of the key words are sustainable so sustainability is not going to happen from just a small amount of people that are taken that initiative to go forward with it and I think uh, I, I believe Steve you you mentioned it when you you have a group that's uh, you know we're going to take care of our own and I'm not going to take care of yours because that's your responsibility we also have to kind, kind of overcome 
that stigma where, you know what, I'm not going to clean up your mess. I did my own. We need to break away from this entitlement of, of not feeling responsible for other people because you know what, if some people don't want to take care of their own, that's still going to affect our, our, <laughs> us. So we need, to, we need to go above and beyond in this measure. And it's nice to be able to talk to, to the three of you guys. I gain a lot of, of uh, insight listening to all three of you and just kind of hearing your philosophy on, on different aspects. This was no different. And, and I really had a good time listening to you guys. I don't know if you want to close off by uh, saying anything that maybe you got on the top of your head there. So I'll leave it open. If you, if you want to go for one last little bit here. Uh, I think I got, I got one last little thing to touch on just cause it's earth day themed and it's uh, a key connection that obviously you and I share Brad and uh, I think it's an inevitable discussion that we're going to have to have and that's uh, lawns. And I think uh, <laughs> lawns... I, don't, I don't I don't have one. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think lawns have to change. They're the uh, largest. Uh, I think they're they're something like the largest irrigated crop in uh, North America now, or something like that. But obviously, we don't uh, gain anything from them. So I don't know. Maybe that's one of the answers to the uh, you know growing cost of uh, groceries and the. Uh, you know, not knowing where your food comes from. Maybe we all, uh, you know, get paid to, you know, grow some vegetables in a communal space or, you know, if we have some lawns, maybe some, you know, public initiatives to have people, you know, be encouraged to grow their own food and utilize some of those spaces instead of, uh, you know, I know I don't really water my lawn because I'm not a, I'm not a big lawn person, obviously. So <laughs> for uh, most of the summer, it just seems to be a, a brown patch that exists. And then uh, I have some vegetables coming in in the garden in the back. But yeah, I think that's, uh, that's another topic for another time, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Garrett or Steve, you want to you wanna finish off with, with anything? I would touch back on the uh, making things with longevity. Uh, we need to start making products better. Uh, one thing when I was in sales uh, years years ago uh, is we would look and uh, one of the things we do in our marketing and sales meeting is just how can we get people to use these products more. And we were focused more on, well, make a cheaper product, make a disposable product, make something that they just need to rebuy. What's, what good is it that you buy this one thing and it lasts for the rest of your life? That's not going to help us as a company. Yeah. So I think we need to move forward and, you know, like stop, stop with, we don't need a new model car every year. We don't need the newest model fridge every year. You know, they keep changing model numbers. You look at stereos from the seventies and eighties, probably the best built because of their, their framework, they're built to last. That's why the ones from the 70s, the old pioneers and denims and whatnot are still around. Where you buy <laughs> stereos from two or three years ago that the HDMIs don't work and they're yeah. bonking out. Yeah. So, you know, just making stuff better, making it last longer or having a reusable capacity to it like we discussed earlier. So I think that's a big aspect that yeah. I'd like to see change going forward. Yeah, I like that. Just when you mentioned the, the Pioneer stereo, my surround system, my surround sound system in my apartment here, um, I think it's coming close to 25 or 30 years old. My dad brought it home 
um, from the house that he lived in when he worked for Westcast in Dearborn, Michigan. And he's been retired for eight or nine years now. And it was Wait, disclaimer, years. disclaimer, before you talk <laughs> yeah. about this, is this going to be a Howard Stern private parts uh, segment here? Where you sit on a speaker? No, no, no. They're, not that, they're not that big, but it is loud. But like this, this system itself, other than like using the digital video input, like it is still fantastic. It is still like a pure wired surround sound system and it is phenomenal. Like you can't, you can't beat it now. And like you were saying, like the, like you have speakers that die within two years now, like these Bluetooth, little Bluetooth speakers that like a horrible sound where you get these things that are like, they're built for like speed and pleasure where now we just have things that are just built. Yeah, all disposable, even yeah, though they're yeah. not. <laughs> and like you said, like when, when things are priced so cheaply, like going back to like we said about the printer at the start of this uh, the conversation, where it's like it's cheaper to go out and buy a brand new printer than it is to buy the replacement part for it. That yeah. is a crime in itself, right there. Like we need to that needs to be fixed. Like the the companies Absolutely. that do this, the companies the that do this, like the, the companies that are in charge of these devices need to give their honest to God head a shake or make it easier for us to refill these cartridges. And it's just, it's straight up unacceptable. Disappointed. Yeah. Drop the D word. It's, I'm disappointed that we don't have something better in 2021 for like solidarity and products. Yeah. Longevity. And, and the one that was sticking out in my mind, there was cell phones and everybody's got to get a new cell phone in what, two years because <laughs> It just drops and, out, and that's probably with all their uh, downloads that they continue to have put on it. Probably deterioration so, there. I used to work for BlackBerry, and yeah. this was the one thing that, like Cole's pushed on this before, like with the consumerism and stuff like that. Where at BlackBerry, if we weren't releasing a new phone every quarter, the shareholders weren't making money, so the shareholders put more pressure on us, yeah. and. The, the stupidity of BlackBerry was that we needed to have a small phone for the consumers. We needed to have a big phone for the business people. We need to have a touchscreen because we need to compete with Apple. We need to have a full keyboard to do this. So we were releasing five to 10 new products every quarter and they started to suck. And basically yeah. we started, basically it was our own demise right there. And we just started pushing things out, pushing things out. And every two, like you said, every two years, it's like you need to get the new iPhone. Where does that old iPhone go? To a landfill. <laughs> because people usually just throw them out. They don't recycle them. Yeah, like yeah. we have to be we have to be better with that. Like the cell phone providers need to have a better recycling program and stuff like that. Like where you Absolutely. actually give 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 the phone back. I have a drawer of Blackberries here. Still. I do. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. 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 It's just, we just need to be, we just need to be better as a whole. Like it's just. I said I'm uh, disappointed that it's 2021 and we still don't have some of these basic things figured out. Still. Yeah. Well, we we have kind of like on the agenda mental health, obviously, and that's kind of where starting today we thought we were all going. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, everything is tied into mental health. If you've looked at all the different aspects of mental health, <laughs> this is probably a topic. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. I look forward to talking to you guys when we discuss that. But you know what? This uh, mass consumerism and and all that kind of kind of related stuff right there is is essentially another way, uh, another big 
topic that we could touch on down the line. So, uh, what, like, I want to thank all three of you, Cole, Garrett, and Steve, for joining me today and then going on. And we went for a while. And if, and for the, the listener that's gone this whole hall with us is uh, still there, I want to thank you and I appreciate you taking the your time and, and listening to us because, uh, I mean, the state of this earth is is an important thing for everybody. So I think uh, if you if you share opinions, if you have different opinions to what we have, I mean, feel free to share it with us. You can reach me on our uh, Facebook page or reach out to me personally or by email. Uh, just kind of let us know and and if uh, you have concerns that we could talk about about different topics uh, feel free to reach out so I want to once again thank all three of my guests here tonight the panel and uh, sign off for the social perspective podcast thank you bye for now good job Tucker Carlson